All right, good deal. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And if you don't know where that is, all right, it's the first page. All right, it's easy to find. You know, I think it probably is the most well-known verse. Uh, some people would say John 3, 16. I'd say not. I'd probably say the most well-known verse and the most attacked verse in the Bible would be Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, especially in our day. And, uh, and so it is so foundational. Um, I'm, I've been so much looking forward to sharing this with you over the summertime. I like to take stretches in the, in the summer to share different things with you. Usually in the Old Testament, usually it's a character. And uh, this will be a little bit because you're going to hit a little bit later. You know, you're going to hit, you know, Adam, Eve, Cain, you know, and Abel, and, uh, and eventually hit up to Noah and other things. But, but mainly this first part, I just want to just share, because it, everything upon which you believe is based on this. And that is being shaken, not so much for us, maybe for some of you, because of just what you hear and, and, and see and read all the time that's blitzed in, just right in front of you. And it is a remarkable thing to me um, to see and understand just how much this part is attacked. And, um, and I just want you to see how important this is to you personally, if you're a believer here today, or if you'd like to know even what that means. Because, uh, because God's existence is, has you know, obviously been challenged at every, at every turn. And, and it, to me, is interesting that, that, science, that science is being used in this when in reality it, it, it has very little to do with it. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. So we're going to jump into this. Obviously, the name Genesis, the name Genesis just means beginning. Uh, therefore, today's, today's title is Beginnings. Uh, it's where it begins. And, you know, that's, again, don't make more out of the word Genesis. It's not a holy word. It's not a religious word. It just means beginning, like the word Exodus. Okay, the word Exodus means uh, out of the way or to come off of. In fact, the word, uh, when you're over in Greece, when you're driving down the highway, you'll see the sign Exodus, which is the word we use, exit. Do you know what an exit is? Now you know what exodus is, all right? So that's all that it means. But it's pretty cool because there's some real depth to the thought of of, of beginnings. You know, I almost, I want you to see a bigger picture today. I have found that so much truth is found in the simple uh, because God wants it to be, be able to understood by everyone who can understand it. I find it amazing today that, that Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 is that a kindergartner can get it. And yet sometimes the people with the most degrees after their name can't comprehend it. I find that amazing. And uh, it's just a natural, amazing look at this, at this thought. And let's let you tell you, I was going to take three weeks to do what I'm going to do today. So I'm going to throw a lot at you today. But I have a desire for you to understand the bigger picture as opposed to the microscopic look. Because sometimes when you get into the microscopic, you are, are looking at a at smaller, then, then you miss the bigger picture. It's kind of like you can dissect a rose, but you've lost something after you dissect it. Does that make sense? You can learn a lot about it, but there's something to be learned too from just the look. 
And I think that's what's about Genesis 1. It's a, it's a really amazing look. So anyway, I want to go ahead and get started just so I know that we have, we have enough time to, to share with you. And again, I know I'm going to be throwing, throwing a lot at you today or just sharing, but I, we'll, we'll hit more of this stuff as the weeks come. But I, I, I have a rule. I think it's important that you see a bigger picture. All right, number one, and I'm just going to call this the, the, God, the God who is presented. The God who is presented. Now, what does that mean? You know, Jeff, that sounds awful official, the God who is presented. No, really I want to know this, that, that God here is just, is just presented as, as God. There's no, there's no proofs. There's no, this is how we know. This is no, it's just the simple statement that, that, that basically is who he is. It just starts in the beginning, God. And so when you take a look at that piece, that's pretty, no argument, no philosophy, and really, nowhere in the Bible is there an attempt to prove God's existence that's just taken because it's, it doesn't mean that there is no, there, I mean, there's, sometimes people, you know, sometimes guys will come up and say, well, prove to me that God exists. And I, you know, my response is, well, prove to me he doesn't. But, I, you know, proofs come in something you can test, you know, in a lab now, are there evidences of God's existence? Absolutely, they're all over the place, and we'll talk about those next. But when you get into this philosophical thing, you know, you'll see what I mean in just a minute. If say, so, well, you know, Jeff, you, you just, you know, you just trust that God exists because you 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 have faith, and that's not that's not it either, because we all have faith. We're all trusting in something. Just the mere fact that we were here is there's a, there's, it, it, it means trust. It's an incredible thing. You'll see what I mean in a minute. I won't, I won't stay vague at all. We'll get very, very, very pointed in just a minute. But I, I have to start here because this is, this is the picture of it, okay? You know, when I think on that, this whole thought, it's, it's not a matter of intellect. Um, whether whether one understands this or doesn't understand it, whether one accepts it by faith or doesn't accept it by faith. And uh, in fact, it's, it's a matter of just, of just looking around us, you know, and, uh, and understanding that there's a, there's a simple thought here that, that the finite, that is you and I, have a hard time understanding that which is infinite. That just makes sense. In fact, in the first part of the verse, in fact, we're not going to get past verse 1. Verse 1's it today. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I, I had to restrain myself from doing three weeks on verse 1. But let's start with this one, see if you can't follow me. All right, first of all, in the beginning. Okay, beginning. All of us know it began somewhere. Every one of us know that. Every one of us know that there was a first day. Right? Why? Because if you have year 2017, and obviously they didn't keep up with a lot of it, we all know that time passes. So every one of us in here knows that there was a day one. Because you know that the day you were born was day one. Or if you want to count it at conception, I've heard people tell me that, then if you'd like to, knock yourself out. But all I know is that there was a day one for you. So we have this knowledge that is inside of us. 
we see that. Time is an incredible thing. So there is a time when time began, if you don't mind me saying it that way. But we have a hard time getting our arms around that. So I'm going to get a little thought-provoking here with you, but I want you to think on this because it's all in this first verse, the whole issue of time. You and I don't have any clue what it's like not to be subject to time and the passage of time, right? You can't save time, right? You can't stop time. It just keeps clicking by. And yet, the scriptures tell us that evening and the morning, we'll talk about this in, in another couple weeks, the evening and the morning were the first day. So there was a time in that God himself pre-existed time, therefore he is the inventor or creator of time, and therefore is not subject to time. You go, oh, say that one more time, all right? You, you understand this piece that people have asked me, uh, you know, how old, is, how old is God, you know, thinking that it's something you can't understand or, or answer. It's not the truth, because we understand that time passes, and we understand that time began, but we don't realize how it happened. Therefore, if God created time, then he's not subject to it. That's what it means by eternal or living in eternity. It's a time where time doesn't pass. If you can, We'd have such a hard time trying to comprehend it, explain it, or even understand what it means. Heaven will not be a place. You know, when the Bible says is that for God, you know, one day is like a thousand years, it doesn't mean that time passes quickly. It just means there's an eternity. There's something wrapped up in it too. When God says, I am, that I am, therefore present tense, not past, not future, but I am. So again, there's so much to it in this in the beginning, right? That talks about it. And if you want to know, therefore we get, the, we get the peace. We get the peace a little bit about that. That what was that before? I, I don't even... It's hard for us, for you and I, because it goes past my pay grade, right, to really comprehend that. And yet it's an incredible thing to me that when the, when the infinite, when the finite tries to understand the infinite, when that which is governed by time tries to understand that which created it, it just would make sense that we'd have a hard time explaining it. But isn't it interesting, I have found that Dr. Fluffyhead down the street cannot accept the fact that he can't understand something. Does that make sense? Therefore, in his arrogance, he will deny anything he can't understand. And that's where you get some of the weird stuff we have. I have no problem with science. I love science. In fact, I, I would have enjoyed anything scientific because it's a quest for understanding that which has already been created. But it, science does very little to explain origins to us. Oh, they've got a big explanation, but it takes more faith to believe that than it does that God created it. You'll see in just a minute when I talk to you about it. This is not a bash science day. This is not a bash atheist day, even though their big, their big thing is to bash us. I have always... I have always, I've always understood the faith. I've always understood the education. I've always stood the academic. I've been through lots of school and no, I'm done with that. I'm not going to any more schools. But I, I get that piece. I've lived in those circles. 
But the one thing I've come to see is this belief that the smartest guy or girl in the room is the one who has the right answer. And that is just not the truth. In fact, the scriptures even says they claim to be wise and become fools. In other words, sometimes you can become so smart that you just become foolish. You'll see it in just a minute. But all this starts with, if you will, in the beginning. This picture of God, this picture of who he is and what he's come to do. You know, this is an interesting thing. In Psalm, in Psalm chapter 53, verse 1, the, the Bible only The Bible only commits one half of one verse to those who don't believe in God, that there is a God. And it's found in Psalm 53. And it says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And that's not because proof, but that's because of just the overwhelming evidence around you. But, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to tell you something perhaps you've never seen about this, about this verse. Uh, if you've been a believer for very long, you probably have heard of this first or have seen it or know it. But let me share something with you perhaps you haven't. All right, first, off, first of all, take a look at that last part, there is no God. Now, I'm not going to get too egg-heady on you here, but you do understand that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so Hebrew, the language is, it's an interesting language, but it has stems, verb stems, and if you don't know what that is, like Spanish and others, we don't have those. Therefore, in the original, there is is supplied by the translator to make it read better. But there is is not in, in the scriptures. So basically, the fool says in his heart, no God. And you're saying, Jeff, what does that matter? Oh, let me tell you what I think. Okay? And, and the other thing to look at, The fool has said in his what? I don't think we're talking about intellect here. I don't think that we're talking about those who have uh, an academic or intellectual problem with God's existence. I come across very few of those, to be honest. But what I'm thinking we're talking about is someone in here. Let me give you you an example of of, of no God. After the holidays, I don't know about you, but th- between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's a well, really New Year's, it's a really rough time for me. And let me tell you why. Because of the desserts. <laughs> Do y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, it's a rough time, but I usually make it. And, uh, but then after the first of the year, I, like most of you in the room, I won't include all of you, but maybe most of you. SK, it's, it's time. It's time to stop. It's over. And all the things we say to ourselves. And then sometime, you know, after that, then I swear off all of them. And then I try to get some sanity back to my life and other things like that. Now, now if I, I you know, go to someone's house and we've just finished a wonderful meal and someone says, oh, I've got dessert. And I say, oh, no dessert. Now, when I say no dessert, it doesn't mean I don't believe there's a dessert. I just say that I don't want it. Go back to the verse. The fool has said in his heart. We're not talking about intellectual. We're talking about moral. We're talking about compass. We're talking about what I want, not what I think, 
but what I want. The fool said in his heart, no God. Does that help a little bit with that verse? I think it really shares because I, the contact I've come into with most of, the, most of those who, who either deny God's existence, it's not really an intellectual problem as much as it's a, I want to do what I want to do kind of thing. So therefore, if I deny God's existence, then there is nothing over me that can't, I'm my own God, I can do what I want to do. And that makes, that makes a whole lot more sense to me. But as we begin, you know, we talk about the enlightened age, that is a laugh. When we talk about this age being the enlightened age, that is a huge laugh as we descend morally. Because what happens is we see ourselves in a different light when we don't see ourselves as accountable to someone ultimately for who we are and what we do. And you're going to continue to see it the more this goes in that direction. I find that incredible to think about. But you know, I know deep down, most people know that God exists. I'd say all people do. Why? Because God put it there. It's like the little boy who's both, both of his parents were atheists and they were sitting down at a meal and the little boy asked his parents, do you think, do you think God knows we don't believe in him? <laughs> you understand? It, we, know, we got it in here. Now, we don't know a whole lot about it because of the limitations, but we understand. As I told you, a kindergartner a kindergartner can pick up on Genesis 1-1. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. Let me continue on. So number one, first thing we see uh, is, is God is presented. Number two is that God is powerful, that God is powerful. Now there's something here. It says, go back to the verse. It says, in the beginning, God, and it says, cre- created. Now that word, and again, I try never to get technical with you, but you need to hear it. Because the word is bara, or if you will, originally bara. I don't, I don't, I'm not a guttural guy, but y'all know languages that spit. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? Well, Hebrew is one of those that have gutturals, and it's bara. Bara. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it means he created. And therefore, when you add God to, it's God created. In the beginning, God created and the word that's used there is a Hebrew word that means to create out of nothing or to make something out of nothing. You have never, ever experienced anything that has been created. You've never seen it, and you don't understand that concept, but it is a powerful concept to create something out of nothing. Oh, yeah, I hear some people say, well... You know, I created this company, you know, out of nothing. Oh, no, you didn't. It was all there for you. You just put it together. Does that make sense? You haven't ever created anything. We use creativity and other things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not what this word means. It means to create out of nothing. Therefore, you have then this picture of power, of incredible, powerful God. In the beginning, God created. So I begin thinking, okay, as I, as I put all this together, as I begin to understand, is that it's real hard to believe uh, that nobody times nothing created everything. Does that make sense? Therefore, when I, when I begin to see, when I begin to see and to understand 
this creation part, I begin to think about the things around us, right? This, this body that you see right here, I have been told, has around 300 uh, billion cells. Well, in my size, perhaps there's 400. I have no idea. But you get the gist. And, and the most amazing thing is you take one of those cells and you start unlocking it. And the, and the complexity and the intricate nature of just one of those cells is more complicated than all of New York City in just one of those. And I've got three, 400 billion of them. And you begin to ask yourself some questions. How did that just happen? Well, Dr. Fluffyhead will tell you. I mean, this is where it gets, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I just wanted this to be real refreshing to some of you who get beat down all the time as being an ig ignorant religious nut. And I just want you to see it for what it clearly is. And those of you who sit in classrooms with professors laughing at you, that has happened to me. <clears throat> it's just because they have, the, they have a bullying type tactic because if you ever ask them a question, they can't answer it. A kindergartner can back them down and they don't like it. Let me tell you what I mean. Okay, you've got this intricate, intricate building, right? I mean, it is complex and you've added a whole lot of 50 cent words. You know what I mean by 50 cent words? Those are the seven syllable words, you know? Uh, and, and, and you put all this complexity and and, 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 you, and you build this huge house and then, well, then you ask this question, well, how did that start? Well, it started here. Okay, great. And so it kind of evolved, right? But really nothing evolves much. We adapt, but nothing evolves. In fact, I found most things, and there's a law in nature that talks about how that they, everything devolves. That means it unravels. Uh, and, and it's called entropy. It's actually the second law of thermodynamics if you're a, if you're a egghead, and of which I am. I enjoy eggheads, by the way. That's not a slam. Uh, I like people trying to understand why. Uh, most, I found, are not real interested. But everything unwinds. You know, it's the old joke I use. If you don't believe that, go look at your high school graduation. Right, picture? Everything begins, and then, it, and then it goes downhill. It devolves, not evolve. But go back to Dr. Fluffyhead. So he goes, he, he tells you, well, and then it went to this, and then goes down to this. And if you keep backing it up, here's what it says. I just want you, again, I'm not making this up. Back in millions and millions of years, in fact, they may even be using the B word now, billions. I, I, again, y'all know what I mean, though. Way, 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 way long. It all started with a, with a pool of goo. Anybody heard of the pool of goo? Oh, not many of you. Well, let me explain the pool of goo. If you keep, back, if you keep, if you keep backing down this beautiful, intricate house, right, which is the body in which I live, it's 300 billion cells, my ability to think, my ability to see, hear, all the senses that are, that are computed by my brain stored, it's just an incredible thing to even try to think about. But you keep, you keep taking that down, and it all began with a pool of goo, 
way eons and eons and eons ago, and it all began with protein, and then somehow there was no life, and then life sprang to being by way of a protein. I'm not making it up, if you've never heard this. And through millions and millions and millions of years, the pool of goo turned into you. That's original with me, by the way, if you'd like to quote me on that. And, but here's, here's where Dr. Flovehead doesn't want to talk to you. I said, okay, I'll give you that. I don't believe it, but I'll give you that. Where'd the pool of goo come from? He likes talking about the intricate house with the seven syllable words, but he doesn't have a clue. No matter how smart he may tell you he is or she is. Does that make sense? So then all of this intricate house is built on a foundation that they don't know anything about. So my question is, how can something be the truth when it has no foundation? In argument, there's a word called presupposition. That is, what is the foundation on what, on what your argument is based upon? But it's incredible that nobody ever gets them there. Because if you ever get them past the pool of goo, it can get really weird, weird. And guys, I have to be honest with you. Well, the only reason, you know, that, you know, is, is it's your faith. No, 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 no. I tell you, I, I really believe, I, after I've looked at it for years and years and years, I believe it takes more faith to believe that that a powerful than that a powerful God created it. I just do. And if you think it's all about faith, well it is because none of us were there on day one. But when I look at this, I have just found that not all, I'm telling you what, there are some extremely academic, very intelligent believers that I have incredible respect for. So I'm not talking about the whole academic community, but a good many of them. And I found out that, that it's kind of hard to swallow. You know, Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. Now, what does that mean? That means that God's spoken into existence. That is he who is not visible. That is he who is powerful. Therefore, everything that you've seen in this created world, a few weeks ago, I talked to you about praise, and I talked to you about how that light travels at 186 plus thousand uh, miles, what, a, a second. And so it takes you, you know, a couple of seconds to get to the moon. It takes you a whole year to get to the nearest star, traveling at light speed for a year. And then they talk about the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, millions of those light years. And you think about this vast universe. So the question is, something that could create that, do you think that something that could create that is part of the creation? Or do you think it came from outside? It came from outside to be able to do something like that. It had to be very powerful. Therefore, we, by faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God. He spoke it into existence. That's why it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. Why? Because God, now obviously Jesus is God's word incarnate, 
that is in the flesh. So we have such an incredible picture that I hope you're grasping today. Okay? So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That just makes sense. Because there's nothing that we've encountered that has the power of creation. None of us have ever even seen it. And yet we know it exists because it's here. For those of you who have ears to hear and are willing to hear. It's an incredible thing when you start putting it together. You know, this is an illustration I just love because I use it. And I've used it. I'm going to use it again today. I just love it. This is still an amazing thing to me. And everybody who's younger, like my kids, see it as no big deal because they grew up knowing about it. But this is, you know, my cell phone, but it's, it's, it's one of those cell phones. It's kind of the joke I like to say is that my, my, my son told me, you know, Dad, you've got a phone that'll go to the moon and you only know how to drive it to the end of the block. And I, <laughs> and I understand that. I just, I, I don't. But there are some cool things about it. But, you know, I find myself, this is starting to scare me. I find myself, because my grandfather used to talk about how things were when he was a boy. I was like, oh, Lord, you know, and no running water, that kind of thing, you know, gallon of gas costing a nickel. And I used to think, oh, pop. But I'm starting to say those things. <laughs> Does it, you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm, I'm not getting a little worried, but, but you know what the amazing thing, my grandfather said this, but I found myself saying it, is that the science fiction of my childhood is becoming the reality in my adulthood. What they used to portray on science fiction shows is, is showing up. I mean, I can talk to this thing and it can answer my questions, pretty much any question. And it'll give me all the references and right here, I mean, it, it'll show me everything I need plus, more than I don't want. And I can also push a couple of buttons and any, pretty much anywhere in the world that obviously has a connection and I can watch most any sports team by a couple of taps. And it all comes right here. And you're going, Jeff, so what? Well, let me tell you about this. What you see before you. How did it get here? The question is this. Do any of you, you don't have to answer this out loud. In fact, please don't. Do any of you believe that this right here came to being by millions of years from a pile of goo or a pool of goo? No. No, every one of you knows. Every one of you in this room knows that someone a whole lot smarter than probably you and I, and there may be a couple of you here this smart, but some of you a whole lot smarter than us put this thing together. And by the way, they didn't create it. It was already here. They just found how to put it together. Does that make sense? It was here 2,000 years ago, this one. It just wasn't put together yet. Everything needed to put this together was already here. So there's no creation here. There's just discovery. Columbus didn't create the new world. He just discovered it. It had been here for a long time. So here's the thought. Can you really think that such an intricate design like this 
could evolve into being this by itself. No, it's preposterous. Everybody, that's just dumb, Jeff. What are you talking about? And yet, I got 400 billion designs within this body that are a whole lot more complicated than this thing is. And yet we believe it came from the pool of goo? See, guys, it's not hard. Most of the time, a kindergartner comes up with it. And yet so many people, they've said in their heart, no God. Therefore, denying who he is means I don't have to answer to him. And that's just not the truth. It doesn't matter if you feel like it or not. It's still the truth. Wow. It's a powerful thing to think about when you understand God and his creation. Hmm. Number three, number three. The God who is purposeful. Therefore, in the beginning time, God, God presented to you as the, as the, as the one, as, as existing and all those, and then created the one who's powerful enough to do that. And it says created the heavens and the earth. Okay, well now we, we, have, a, we have another question within this first verse. It has to do with purpose. What was the reason for it? As you begin to ask this question, we're getting past origins and into intent. You know, the Bible does tell us a couple of places what was God's intent or purpose for doing what he did at creation. It's pretty neat and pretty amazing to look at. There are three things I found. There are probably more, but there are three things I found for God's intent and the reason he created the things. Number one, he created it for his pleasure. Now that, that may upset a few of you, Maybe not most people in here, but it may upset a few of you. Probably upsets a whole lot of others. It was for his pleasure. You know, most of us believe, you know, that's why people think that they themselves, you know, I'll, I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. But you were, you were created, you were created for him. By him and for him. Now, it says in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, it says, where are you? Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You see the glory, honor, and power? Because of who he is, our creator. For you created all things. And by your will, I love the way the King James says it, for your good pleasure they were created. By your will, whatever, it, ex it gives us purpose. Because he wanted to, right? It's for him. And isn't it interesting that self-centered culture in which we live, even those who do believe in God, believe God's purpose is to, is to make me happy, right? I'll give, you, I'll give you how you know that. Let's say that you're the, you know, the last year of your prayer life, was it, was it spent asking God to make you happy? Or was it saying, God, how can I make you happy? My bet is, oh, God, I need, I need, I need. God, can you, can you, can you? We were, you know, he didn't create us for our pleasure. He created us for his. I think it's interesting. The egocentric find that hard to accept. Number two, he created us for, uh, for his praise. 
other parts of the scriptures, for, for from him and through him, to him are all things, to him be glory uh, forever. Amen. It talks about the rocks and the hills crying out and praising him when, when, um, when, when those that he created don't. He talks about uh, the mountains and the fields doing those things or the praise of his glory and different things like that. So again, a creator is praised for his creation. It's interesting. Much like a painter is praised for his work. And on and on it goes. Number three, and this is probably the biggest one, but he created it for his people. He created it. He created it for them, created it for us. And just so you know, this is interesting to think about. It says in Psalm 37, 4, it says, To delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. See, see, hey, I, I, this is what I want. No, 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 but you missed the first part. Delight yourself in him. I want you to know that God has designed things in this world to, for you to enjoy, for pleasure. Okay, he created it. But I have found that those who make it their life pursuit, in other words, they take their pursuit off of who God is and put them on pleasure, happiness, whatever you want to, they never find it. Therefore, delight yourself in the Lord first, and then these other things will happen. Interesting, huh? So then I think about the things that he created were for our enjoyment. First Timothy chapter 6, first part I'd love to share with you, but I want to I wanna read through that quickly because there's a, there's a pill on that. It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be uh, set their hopes or be dependent on the uncertainty of riches. But put your dependence on God. Now look at this. Who richly provides us with everything what? Hey, I, you know, those who teach that you're supposed to be miserable as a believer, I don't know where they get that. There's not, it's not in the scriptures. And yet sometimes some believers are so set on being a martyr and they think it's somehow spiritual to be miserable. I've never found that in the scriptures. I don't know where it comes from. Because I think God, God that I've understood, he created things for us to enjoy. But to remember, to keep our eye on, but on God, that is keep our perspective on him. Why? Because he created us for him. And then enjoyment will find you. But if you go looking for it, because if I was to ask, I'd say if I was to ask half of you in the room, but I guarantee you 90% of everybody in the world, if I was to ask them, what are your, what are your goals in this life? And 90% of the time you're going to give for me and my family to be happy. Great goal, knock yourself out. But how are you going to get there? And number two, how's it working out for you? And if they say, oh, great, it won't be there for long or they're lying. Why? Because you can't run after those things and find them. Scripture says, delight yourself in him. Then the rest of it's going to find you. I find that incredible to think about. Purpose. Purpose. Wow. Wow. So we have God, the God who's presented to us, the God who's powerful with purpose. And then number four, this is where I'll close. And we're going to pick this up next week. But a God who's personal. You know, I sometimes think thoughts that are beyond myself and 
have to be careful. You have to be careful. We all have to be careful. Because whenever we start trying to put our thoughts here, again, you go above your pay grade pretty fast, right? And um, I think you understand what I'm saying. But the God who created us has to be personal. Or else why would he have created us as personal people? I mean, everybody needs to be connected to people. The only people that don't say they don't need to be connected to others are the ones who have been burned too many times and they don't trust anybody anymore. And I get that. But God did not create you to be isolated. In fact, you will begin to have mental health problems if you stay isolated. It's just the way it works. Punishment for prisoners is isolation because it's absolutely awful. God did not create you for that. Therefore, I come to know that the God who created us is personal because you look at his creation and see how he's created us. He's not the force. Sorry, Star Wars fans. But all people try to explain. It's an incredible thing. In fact, we'll talk about how that was severed in in a couple of weeks. Romans chapter one, verse 19 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. I know I said that fast. Romans 1, 19, I know some of you are writing. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God's shown it to them. You know it. It's in you. He created you with it. So much more to say there. Like I say, I want to do this in three weeks, but I wanted you to see a bigger picture. For what can be known about them is plain to them because God's shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, we've already talked about that. Divine nature, we talked about that. Have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. He's there if you want to know. That's why the scripture says, seek him and you will find him. Not because you're such a great seeker, but because He's promised to reveal himself to those who will seek him. You know as much about God as you want to know. If you truly want to know, I'm here to tell you, you will know. Isn't that interesting? So ever since the creation of the world, uh, from the things that have been made, therefore the creation around you, so that you're without excuse. There will be no excuses. Interesting. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God. In other words, I want to be God myself. Or give thanks to him. Therefore, if I've gotten anything in this life, I've gotten it myself. That kind of an attitude. But they became futile in their own thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. That's the ones that said, no God. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's what happens with natural logic. If you carry it out, especially in this area. It says there, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God. Okay? For images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals, and creeping things. And paper with picture of dead presidents on them. You'll figure that out later. In other words, what is it that we worship? Interesting. Now look at this. This is uh, obviously, and, and, and creepy things, therefore... Therefore, what is it? What is it? It's easy to do. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
and for a personal God that wants you to know him, right? It's an incredible thing to think about. I've got to, I've got to be done. But I have one more thing I want to share with you. And if you're a believer here today, some of it may come together with this thought that's pretty amazing. And it's, again, one of my favorite verses, and I learn more about it all the time, especially during this little preparation time I had before I shared this with you. But I came across this verse. I knew all I'd be talking about today. But in the light of what we've been talking about, let's look at it in a different way. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay, question. What's that word creation mean? Now, creation means that something is there that wasn't there before. Something that was made out of nothing. Therefore, if you're in Christ today, there's something different about you. People down through the years have said, well, I used to be a Christian. I said, no, you didn't. That's not possible. You never used to be a Christian. Why? Because if he did do that new work in you, you would never deny the new work that he started in you, ever. Therefore, if you say, I used to be a Christian, probably the correct response is, I never was one. It's an incredible thing to think about. Why? Because it's not about, it's about him in you. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old's passed away, new's becoming. There ought to be a difference there. Why? Because he's at work. And the incredible thought about that is, is that the God who created everything that I know about started that new work in me. Does that make sense to you? That is an incredible thing to think about. It is what you long for. That the God who created you and everything else is personally interested in you. That is, the, that is what you long for. It's what this world longs for, but doesn't realize it because they've set their sights on other things to come through for them. So as I close today, we're going we're gonna to pick this up next week. This is going to be so much fun over the weeks. But today needed to be about beginnings, origins. So I had to have a good start. And I wanted to give you a bigger picture, not just about God's existence, but all of what that means and how it all fits together. There's a lot more to it. But as you think about that new creation thought, if there's, if there's been a time in your life you've, you've understood that, then you understand praise, glory, his good pleasure, those type things. And it just kind of refreshes which you already knew, but can get beaten down in the world in which we live. But if you're not a believer here today, this is why I say, guys, all the time, this is, no church owns this message, these words. No denomination, Catholic, Methodist, Baptist. None of those really matter. The real question here is, do you know that there is a God who created you to have a relationship with him and made it possible. That's what, the, that's what it will talk about in the weeks to come because it all begins to unfold through the first few chapters of Genesis. It makes it so fun to look at. If there's never been that time, you'd like to know what that means? There'll be some folks down here I'd love to talk with you. Oh, looking forward to this. Looking forward to this time we're going to have together over the next weeks. All right, good. Let's everybody stand. Everybody stand. And uh, come on up, uh, Anthony's going to close us today. And, uh, and obviously, we just, uh, we just ordained Anthony uh, this past Wednesday. So uh, 
Uh, this is Pastor Anthony Russo that's going to close us in prayer. All right, congratulations, Pastor. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of neat things about those things, but, but we'll go ahead and close. But God bless you guys. I'm heading to the guest, uh, the guest reception right out these doors. You'll see me back there. If you're a guest, please stop by. I'd love to meet you. You guys have a great rest of your day. All right, Anthony, why don't you close us? Thanks, Pastor Jeff.